Hello and welcome to episode number one of Toller Talk by High Country Tollers. I'm Randy Harold, and we will be discussing all things Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Retriever. In today's episode, we're going to be covering pretty much what the whole podcast series is going to cover. We'll be talking about training and competitive dog events like obedience and field, rally agility, fly ball confirmation, barn hunt, lure coursing, scent work, farm dog, pretty much anything we can think of in the uh, competitive dog sports world. I think it'll also be important that uh, this isn't just for people who are in competitive dog sports, but also for the pet owner. In fact, I think the pet owner may get more out of this than a lot of the competitive dog sports people. I decided to do this podcast because I end up getting a lot of questions, particularly about field training from other people wanting to know tips and tricks. And I thought, hey, we'll do a podcast about it to help them. Uh, I am not a professional trainer and do not wish to be. I want to keep my amateur status. And quite honestly, I just don't have time to train other people's dogs other than my own. On occasion, I do bring in some of the offspring of our group to get some field training, get them started, or help somebody out. And I'm always willing to have people come out when I'm trained and give them a hand, as so many before have done for me. I'm really fortunate in that I have just such a strong base that I've learned from. Uh, some real experts in the field, and two or three different chainers have made all the difference in the world for me. I'm also very fortunate that uh, I also have the support of my breeders, other breeders within the breed, and friends who have really helped us along the way and helped us get over hurdles, and I plan to share some of those along the way. So if you have questions, don't be afraid to email me at highcountrytollers at gmail.com or you can go to our webpage and contact us through that and that's also www.highcountrytollers.com So as we move through the podcast series, not only talking training, we're going to be talking some health, some of the health subjects that come up in modern day as they arise and some that have been there. We'll also be talking about some of the National Club information, dates and upcoming events, and some breeding and what breeders are looking for, what breeders are doing, and we may be talking to a few of them about their breed lines and what they seek to accomplish. On that note, I would also like to say that if you're having any problems or you're stuck, uh, one of the first places you should go to, if it's just a general question, is your breeder or friends in the breed. And if you're having health problems, by all means, please go seek the attention and advice of a good vet. Uh, you know, we get a lot of really good breed information on Facebook <clears throat> and throughout the breed and the Tolerell newsletter. And they can help point us in the right direction and give us tips and tricks on what they're doing for any particular problem. But that advice should never replace that of a good vet. And good advice is paramount. So 
where I lack some experience, like in agility or fly ball, I will definitely be seeking out the help of friends in the breed and people who can come on the podcast and give us just great valuable information. We have such a treasure trove of people within this breed and knowledge that it would be a shame to waste them. You will also hear me refer to people that I consider to be mentors who have helped me along the way in my training. Uh, Because I'm not a pro and I'm not competing to be the expert in any given subject in tollers, uh, I can actually go outside and let you know about those people and point you in the right direction for them. Uh, I've had just such such a good time and have been so fortunate to have people like John Augustine, uh, Julie Knudsen, who wrote the book, Training the Labrador Retriever, and who also has a very good podcast that I cannot refer enough to. And I think everybody listening should probably go seek her out. She is on both iTunes and Podbean, and I'm pretty sure some other podcast sites that I haven't seen her on yet. Julie is a, what I would call the world-renowned type dog trainer, has very good advice. And one of the things she really concentrates on is training the trainer. Uh, I think that the dogs come to us in an almost perfect state and it's our job to kind of screw them up from there or take them to the heights that they deserve to be brought to. I would also like to give some credit to a man named Brian Cook who quit training as far as I knew and moved to the San Luis Valley and left me, but Brian was really key in training me and opening my eyes to what I was doing in the field that allowed me to train my dogs to the level that I've gotten them to and make it quite an enjoyable journey. Kudos also go out to Betty King, and even though I've driven her crazy over the years and she thinks I haven't listened, I've really learned a ton from her. A good breeder is just so invaluable, and when they become your best friends, it becomes even more special. Betty and Dave were the people who bred Wonder Mutt, my dog Trapper, and I couldn't be more thankful for them as friends and for the breeding. Wow, how they've changed my life and probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for them. So in this podcast, there's a few things you need to know. I reserve the right to contradict myself and we'll do it several times. You will hear great examples of hypocrisy and you will hear those too. I will tell you those because those were the learning moments for me. And I still find myself caught up in in them some, sometimes and am reminded yeah, weekly by my wife, Wendy, of where I'm being hypocritical. Probably one of the things I'm looking forward to most in this podcast series is story time. Uh, I love to tell stories. I love to talk. I'm a real estate broker and have been a real estate sales trainer by trade for 30 years, and I think there's a lot of value in hearing what other people have been through. I don't have a lot of pride 
And I don't think that people in the dog sports should have a lot of pride. I think successful training is coupled with a lot of humility. And I think if you can get to that point, figure out where you've strayed, get yourself back on track, be able to laugh about it and recover, you're going to have much, much more success. So with that, let's move right into my favorite part, story time. I think it's important to know where people sit so you can tell where they stand on any given issue. My story in Tollers begins about 10 years ago. I was looking for a hunting breed. I have hunted for a good part of my life and fly fished, love the outdoors. I grew up in the mountains west of Denver, and really everything outdoors, conservation, animal conservation, hunting, was a part of me from as early as I can remember. I did, however, take a, a little bit of time off from hunting and fishing, because the third best thing in the world that could happen to me at that point in my life, my early 20s, happened to me. I I got married. And the second best thing that could have happened to me also happened to me a few years after that, which was I got divorced. Uh, and I was left basically with the best thing that's happened to me, and I would put it up there with marrying Wendy and my dogs, was I got full custody of our then just barely one-year-old son. And so I was worried about being a dad. I was a single dad. It wouldn't be till eight years later that I met Wendy. And I needed to do my best and concentrate on that to give him the best shot available. Anybody that knows me <laughs> knows that, yeah, probably taking the time to give the kid the best shot with me as a dad was probably a very good, wise choice. Uh, he was behind the eight ball anyway. I managed to have a son that would eventually graduate from Berkeley with three degrees. He's a good-looking kid and a nice kid and somebody I can be very, very proud of. And don't regret a second of that time missed hunting or fishing that I spent with him. <clears throat> but after a while, he was getting older and he was hitting his teenage years. He was wanting to spend even less and less time around dad. And by that time, Wendy was a stepmom and what a great stepmom she was. Uh, so I decided that maybe I'd start doing some fishing and hunting again and for, I believe it was one of my birthdays, Wendy bought me a new fly rod, and I got really deep into fly fishing with my cousin and started hunting again. I have always loved bird hunting. There is something magical about hitting the field with your dog early in the morning and watching a dog work to find you birds then flush those birds, and then go get them after you've shot them. It is teamwork at a different level that words can't describe and something that I live for. 
So at the time, I had had a dog named Blarney Stone that was a Sheltie. And sorry, he had a brain fart there for a second. And funny story behind Blarney is that I had gone on vacation to Ireland. And when I came back, my poodle that I had was was gone missing. I had charged my brother with uh, taking care of her. And I believe he actually probably sold her. But he claimed that she got out and he couldn't find her and nobody knew where she was. At the time, my buddy Wes was breeding Shelties in Illinois. And he talked to me, said, you know, you don't want to rush in and go get another dog. I explained to him that I kind of felt naked without a dog. It was kind of like a man being without a truck. And that I probably needed to go get a dog, even if it was from the pound. And he told me not to rush into it and to settle down and just give it a couple of weeks. So I promised him I'd give him a couple of weeks. And about two weeks later, a man showed up on my door with this cute little Sheltie with a little red bandana on it and a note. And the note basically said, and he had told me, that this was the runt of the litter, but they called her Missy because she was my buddy Wes's mistress. It was his favorite dog out of the whole litter. So having come back from Ireland, I needed a name for this pup, and I had gone over there and kissed the Blarney Stone. I think I got the gift of gab from doing it, but I wanted to share that experience with everybody else. So I named my dog Blarney Stone, thinking that if you laid on your back and kissed the underneath side of this dog, if you didn't have something to talk about after that, there was just really no hope for you. Blarney lived to be about 17. And it was a time when my, my son was maturing and we had put her down, and I was really looking into getting another dog, uh, a hunting dog this time. Now, I had had Goldens before and Cockers and other breeds, numerous other breeds, but uh, was dead set that I, I really wanted a purebred, and I really wanted a hunting dog like I had never owned before. Uh at the time, my buddy, had, Larry, had a dog named Rue, and Rue's still alive and doing well, and he was a German short hair pointer. Yeah, talk about a dog that can hunt. He's just amazing. I just love that pup to this day. But uh, Wendy, after putting up with a high-strung Sheltie, looked at me and said, if you bring another hyper dog into this house, I'm going to shoot you. And I'm going to shoot the dog. And not necessarily in that order. So that's where my quest began. I wanted a dog that fit well in my truck and in my camper. So I wanted one on the smaller side. It needed to have an off switch. It needed to be able to do upland hunting and waterfowl. And it needed to have that off switch that would please my wife. <clears throat> so I started looking around. I started calling people and talking to people. One of the people I talked to is a professional dog show handler named Kelly Miller. Kelly happens to have the distinction of being the 
significant other to one of my Masonic brothers and good friends, Jeremy. And we got to know Kelly, and every year we had uh, a lobster dinner for New Year's Eve that we'd invite friends over. It was an all-you-can-eat lobster, meaning that if one was all you could eat, it was all you could eat. Otherwise, you had to fill yourself up on corn and potatoes and other fixings. But really kind of a neat little get-together that we had, and I hope to restart that someday with Wendy doing that again. That was kind of her idea. But Kelly came over one night <clears throat> for the lobster dinner, and she walked through the door, and she said, she said, I found your breed. And I said, really, what is it? She said, it's a Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. And I was like, hold on, let me get a pen. So I wrote down the name, and she told me she had been in the garden, that she had seen the breed before, and it hadn't really clicked, but this was the perfect breed for me and that I ought to look into it. She also told me to look up a dog named Maverick. In her eyes, Maverick was the quintessential toller and the most beautiful dog she had ever, ever seen. So I went and I looked up Maverick, and I actually found pictures of him. And I will say to this day, Maverick is the most beautiful duck toller I have ever seen. Um, did my research in him, and it sounded like a really good fit. What made it an even better fit was that I had been calling different breeds. I had called a Springer Spaniel breeder uh, up in Steamboat Springs in Colorado here and asked them, and the nice lady asked me what I wanted a dog for, and my answer was he was going to be a hunting buddy, a fishing buddy, a truck dog, he was going to watch football games with me, give cats dirty looks with me, we were just going to have a great time. This dog was going to have the best life ever. And she informed me that if I hunted her dogs, she would not sell me one. That her dogs were for show and agility and other performance sports only. The phone call didn't end really abruptly. I ended up by telling her, thank you for being honest. I would never want a dog from you or your breed line. And when she asked why, I told her, I said, I think you're doing your best to breed what they were bred for out of them. And I think that's tragic. I had looked into some other breeds that weren't just quite a good fit. Uh, the Boykin was on my list, and I really liked the Boykin and probably would have gone with them for a second. Love Britneys. Uh, Kelly shows Britneys and has Britneys. But the fact that they're short-haired and I didn't think they'd do real well in 14-degree weather fetching ducks dissuaded me a little bit. So having done my homework, I decided this duck toller dog was the one I needed to look into. So I called Kelly and I said, do we have any in Colorado? And she said, as a matter of fact, the Denver Dog Show is coming up, and I just looked at the numbers, and there's going to be like six of them there. And she said, I haven't ever really seen six in Denver at one time. I don't know how it's happening, but you ought to come down to the dog show. She told me how to sneak in through the back gate like I was an exhibitor, so I didn't have to pay the door fee. And I went into 
what's now the Denver Coliseum. It's a huge place. And asked everybody with Goldens, is that a ductoler? Is that a ductoler? Where are the ductolers? I finally found their ring at the proposed time that they were supposed to get in. And I went up there, and sure enough, there were five or six standing outside the ring. Now, I will tell you, I probably know everybody who had a dog there at that point in time. Yeah, so I think I, I probably did know everybody there, but I can only remember two. That was Betty King and Mike Coffey. Mike Coffey had brought his own camp chair, and he was sitting in his chair, and I believe it was Kit that was in his lap. And they were just kind of snuggling and waiting and hanging out and chilling. Uh, Betty was getting ready to take Wonder Mutt's mom, Brooke, into the ring. And I think she was pretty nervous about it because I came up to her and asked her if I could pet her dog and got the typical uh, show exhibitor response. And to paraphrase, don't pet my dog. It felt more like if you touch that dog, I'm going to rip your arm off and beat you to death with it. And I'll do it without getting blood on my dog. But uh, <clears throat> Betty was real nice. And Betty gave me her phone number. And everybody said Betty was the lady to talk to. And that I could call her later. And discuss tollers and see if they were the breed for me. Uh, Mike Coffee was just great there. I went over and said, hey, Mike, you know, can I... Can I pet your dog? And he was like, oh, hell yeah. You know, I'm I'm not really worried about it. We're just going in. Who cares? And I got to pet Kit. Uh, also, ironically, at that show, Susan Bograd, uh, who lives two blocks away from us, was also interested in Tollers. And it came down to meet that breed. And she eventually ended up getting a Toller. So we went from a neighborhood with absolutely zero in, tollers into it in central Denver, our Park Hill neighborhood, into having probably five or six now. So like an excited little kid, I ran home. Actually, I drove my truck home. Ran inside, told Wendy all about these Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever dogs that I had seen and how cool they were and how good looking they were and that I thought that was going to be my dog. And Wendy pretty much said, uh-huh. Now, Wendy at the time loved cats. And we had a few. I think we had three or four at the time. Uh, she uh, had had a dog growing up, but it was a family dog. And then in her first marriage, they had had a dog that she wasn't really fond of because it kept on gnawing on her cat. So I really told her, I said she needed to check out these dogs. She wasn't that interested in them at that point in time. But, you know, Wendy's always been the kind of woman and partner that if it made me happy and if it wasn't destructive to the household or the relationship, she just really wanted me to have it. So we started talking and planning about when would be the best time to get a dog. We knew that we had a pretty busy summer, and that was around February. And we knew that we would either be going to Vermont or Hawaii for Christmas. And it was the year that we go to Hawaii to see my mom. 
So we decided the best time to get a dog would probably be when we got back from Hawaii in February or March, maybe even April. So we didn't do much between pretty much February and I'd say, oh, probably August, I think, is when I called Betty. And I called Betty out and said, hey, you know, I'm really thinking about getting one of these breeds. Can I come down and meet your dog? And God bless her, she welcomed me into her home with open arms. This crazy guy from the dog show. And let me meet her her dogs. I walked in and the first thing I noticed, and I remember it like it was yesterday, was that uh, Brooke, who would end up being Wonder Mutt's mom, was just the most beautiful dog ever. But the dog that sold me on Tollers was their dog named Bridger. I sat down on the couch to discuss dogs with her, and Bridger just really casually walked up to me, looked me in the eye, laid down in my lap, and then rolled over on his back. Betty looked at me, and she said, you must be a hunter. And I said, why, I am. I think my chest was pumped out, and that was a very proud moment. She said, he likes hunters. Little did I know that that dog that was so cool, so friendly, so nice, just the right size, a great temperament, proving that he had the off switch, would end up changing my life as he did. Um, I still put Bridger up there as one of the greatest hunters and remember him often. Losing him was like losing one of my own dogs. Uh, I will say that I appreciate every second that Betty took to talk to me about the breed and answer my questions and ask me questions to make sure the breed was right for me. Uh, it's something that also really made a difference in our journey. And you'll hear me talk about our journey a lot because that's what it's been for me. And I've loved every minute of it. Even the down times and the times I've hated I've been able to find something valuable in. Uh, so I went home and I told Wendy that I met him and what great dogs they were. And I set out on my journey to find my next toller, my first toller. So I got the breeder list and got on the internet. And I think from the internet I ended up finding a guy up in Iowa. And I called him up, and he said he'd have a litter ready about that time, and I got on his list and asked him if he wanted uh, a deposit or not, and he said, no, I didn't need one right then, but might need one later. <clears throat> well, as time approached, I really started to think, and I thought, you know, Wendy was really good to the Blarney Stone, although she never kissed the underneath side, and it might be why she's still quiet and shy to this day, but... Uh, I really, it was important to me that if I brought a dog in the house, that Wendy and that dog bonded, because her and Blarney never really did. So with that, in one version of the story I tell, I looked at Wendy and I laid some law down, and I told her that she was, by God, going to go meet these dogs or else. And in the true version of the story, I asked her very politely and nicely to go down to Betty King's with me and meet these dogs. 
that I wouldn't bring one into the house until she had met him and she was all right with him and how important it was to me. So with that, Betty King got a phone call. And with that phone call, we set an appointment and we went down. And when we got there, Betty once again opened her house to Wendy and I, let us in, and Wendy was on the floor playing with Brooke Trout and Trapper's great-grandmother, Sable. And there Bridger and I were on the couch rekindling our love and our friendship that we had established probably a month before. When Wendy and I left, Wendy was so impressed with Brooke that she wanted a Brooke baby. And she had even brought it up in the house and asked Betty if she was going to breed. And on the way home, Wendy decided that pretty much, and I decided too, that this Betty King lady had such great dogs that we were going to have to have one of their dogs. So we had asked a question while we were there, and she had said that she had thought about breeding Brooke, but she was hesitant for one reason or another, and there are personal reasons to her. And I pretty much told her bullpucky she needed to breed the dog because I had to have a puppy about it. And, you know, if anybody knows me, it's all about me. There is nothing else. And I made that about me. And uh, Betty said she was considering it and had found a stud dog and was thinking about it. And I started calling Betty. I don't know if it was weekly or biweekly or every three days, but I know I called her a lot, asking her if she'd bred the dog, sent her emails. She did a pretty good job of staying in touch with us about what she was doing. And it came down to, I remember she said, that she thought Brooke was going to come in heat and that the stud dog lived in New Mexico and she didn't know if she'd be able to take the time off of work to go down to New Mexico to breed Brooke. When I heard this, I volunteered my services. I said, I will take this Brooke dog. I will drive her to New Mexico. I will get her bred and I will deliver her back to you. And, you know, poor Betty didn't even know me. And I was actually very serious. Uh, she declined, <laughs> as she should have. And uh, a few weeks went by. And we were waiting to hear, waiting to hear, waiting to hear. And we were getting ready to leave for our Christmas holiday in Hawaii. And I remember the day before we left, I got a puppy owner questionnaire from her and because we were so caught up in getting ready to go I didn't really fill it out I stuffed it in my briefcase and took it on the plane with me and I remember calling people on the plane that I was putting down for references and saying things like dude this lady's going to be calling you I really want one of these dogs if you joke around with her or BS her in any way shape or form if I am anything but the greatest dog home on the face of the earth I will hurt you I will hurt you bad and they were laughing and of course they said they would give glowing recommendations and I went through this puppy questionnaire like I was filling out information for a grand jury indictment um, I was terrified 
we sent our questionnaire, our puppy questionnaire, back into Betty and proceeded on to Hawaii. Betty had also let us know that she had had an x-ray and that uh, Brooke had been bred and there were puppies. And if there was an available puppy, I was first on the list. Uh, made my whole Christmas, to be honest with you. I've never been a guy that's wanted presents. I've always celebrated the holiday for the meaning of the holiday. <clears throat> but that was one of the best Christmas presents I think I ever got was the news. We were just both really excited. And Wendy was really into it, too. So we come back from Hawaii, and we're waiting, and calling, and I called Betty, and she said, yeah, they did have puppies, but she didn't want to talk to us about it, and that's why she hadn't called. I think that was about the second week in January that she wanted to make sure that they were all healthy and viable before she put any word out, and I started bugging her then again. I wanted to come see the puppies. She... uh Pretty much told me no way in hell, no germs, no strange people around. Uh, she was having to leave town to go out on work and had somebody coming in to take care of them. And of course I volunteered and was shot down immediately and justifiably so in hindsight. <laughs> but uh, around four weeks uh, she let us come over and see him and she asked if we could bring our friend Kelly over to kind of evaluate the litter. When we went over and evaluated the litter, uh, I think Wendy just fell in love all over again. And there's my favorite picture. If you've, you're friends with me on Facebook, you've probably seen it on Facebook before. But I'll go ahead and put a link to it uh, under the podcast page of the High Country Tollers page. It was the exact moment that Wendy fell in love with Trapper. Now, at the time, we were like new toller owners who wanted the full white blaze and the white-tipped tail and everything and didn't realize what it was we were getting into. Ironically, we ended up with Trapper, who was the greatest dog in the world for us, and I'd like to say that we did a good job of picking him, but we really didn't. One, he was the pick of the litter in, in Kelly's eyes. And two, he was the dog that picked us. Every time we go over to see him after that, if the other puppies were playing or if they were asleep, Little Trap would come over and jump up on the X-Pen, wag his tail, be smiling at us like, I'm your dog. I'm it. And so Trapper Trapper actually picked us. We didn't pick him. In fact, Betty called us on, a, I believe it was a Friday night, and said, you've got to come down. I need, you got to pick a puppy because I need to tell other people which puppy they're getting. There were three males and I think four females in that litter. All of them just great dogs. Uh... So the dog that ended up being Fisher and going to Alaska was the flashy one that I kind of had my eye on. But we went over and quite honestly on our way over to Betty's house, we didn't know which dog we were taking. And talking about it, I was like, which one do you want? And she was like, I don't know, which one do you want? And I 
was like, I like that little one that comes up to see us with a little white snippet on his nose, but that other one with all the white, man, he's sexy. He's good looking. And she said, I don't know. So we got there and we're uh, filling out the paperwork. And of course, Betty asks which one. And I turn around and guess who's standing on the X pen? And I was like, I guess that one. And I think his name was Ohi or OG, OJI. He was the white collared puppy. So we filled out the paperwork. And while we were filling out the paperwork, Betty said, Yeah, she said, Do you want Cohen? And we said, No. And in hindsight, probably would have done it with her now. We're just. It was a foreign concept to us. Why would we pay money for a dog and then let somebody else own it with us? And she also asked if I wanted breeding rights. And I said, you know, I think I do. Now, for those of you who know me real well, you probably have heard about Psychic Randy. And for those of you who don't, I'll tell you about Psychic Randy. Uh, Psychic Randy has been right 100% of the time. And when... Psychic Randy opens his mouth, it comes out with confidence, and you just take what he says to the bank. I think Psychic Randy was only wrong once recently, and it was about one of my own dogs, and I was just hopeful that I was right. But needless to say, I looked at Betty and I said, you know, I think this is going to be a real special dog, and I think he's going to be a great hunter. And if he is, I'm going to want one of his offspring. And I explained Psychic Randy to Betty, and I told her, I said, he's going to be a special dog for the breed. And she looked at me, again, like I was nuts. In fact, uh, I've got to say I'm very thankful she even let me have a dog. <laughs> anyway, we discussed it, and I promised her that if that was the case, I would want a puppy and that I wouldn't breed her without her looking and approving and looking at the breedings first, which we did through the first several and haven't done recently because she all but told me that, you know, she trusted my judgment and what we had been doing in the breed. So we took Little Trapper home and uh, thus began our foray into tollers. And I want to tell you, I don't regret a single minute of it. In our my next podcast, I'm going to talk about the basics of training and a uh, little bit more snippets of our journey through throughout the whole podcast series. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, some of the people that I would like some of the listeners to go and patronize, maybe even send their money to. I don't take any advertisement dollars on this, but there are people in the dog business that are doing good things, and I really urge their support for all of you. Uh, the first one is Clear Canine Lymphoma Research and Awareness. They're doing really good stuff, and having had a dog with lymphoma, it's one of my favorite charities now and something that's really close to me. The other one's Toller Rescue Incorporated. They take pretty much any dog that even looks close to a Toller, help place them, and 
they do not get any club money. And I think that's really important. So they're another one of my favorites. The other one is uh, Craig Katz, who makes some pretty sweet duck calls and goose calls. And you can find him on Facebook under Katz Calls. And I don't remember if it's Craig's Custom Calls, Katz Custom Calls, but he's on Facebook there. So I would appreciate it if you're going to put money into it. Put money there. And I'll close it out this way. With Lord, help me to be the man that my dogs think I am and bless me with their character. Till next time, this is Randy.